just like that. It's, it's funny because you don't sense a change, but all of a sudden you're being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> um, but awesome, we're sitting here with Dylan Schrott, a CFL draft prospect, former personal trainer at World Health, an avid reader. <laughs> uh, the accolades you had this past season in the CIS, Canada West All-Star, U Sports second team All-Canadian, and recently signed to a sports agency. You can shout them out if you want. Uh, Elevation Sports Agency, yeah. Sweet. And CFL Combine Invitation, which is happening in about a month, right? Uh, March 11th in, Ed- in uh, Edmonton. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So what's it like going through this CFL draft preparation and process for you? Ah, man, it's uh, it's surreal. I mean, uh, you know, you, you start playing this sport and... Uh, didn't really think I'd end up to this point yet. You know, here I am. Uh, you know, just taking it one day at a time, and just uh, yeah, it's that whole process of you know just being a little bit better than you were yesterday. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's an exciting feeling for sure. But uh, just trying to stay as even keeled as possible about it. Did you ever expect this, like starting football in grade eleven and then having no offers when you're coming out of school? Like you're coming out of high school, no offers, and you decided to go play junior. Like, did you ever expect to be pursuing it at this high level? And uh, you know, not really, to be honest. Um, it was probably my my second year of junior that uh, you know that I kind of I guess realized that it could be possible for me. Um, you know, we had a we had a guy on our team. His name is uh, Whitman Tamuziak. He was a fifth year junior guy on that uh, VI Raiders team, and he was practicing with the BC Lions. And he had a tremendous year for us. And uh, that year, he actually ended up getting signed by the BC Lions right out of junior. So, um, you know, and he was a close friend of mine. So, seeing him, you know, go through that and and do that just showed me that it was possible for me too. So. Um, yeah, I think just having guys around you that that do that um, yeah, to show you that it's possible is always a, you know, a big help. <laughs> I always found it strange because it was like I maybe had working out in in gyms or like semi-private gyms and having people around that were like in the CFL. I never felt like it was cool when you like chatted with them, but it, eventually it came like, oh, they put in the same type of work ethic and like they're there as much as I am. So it's yeah. like, you know, it does start to seem like the more time you're spending around those guys, the more you start to seem like this is possible. Like this, this yeah. could be something that that's a reality for That they're you. actual human beings. Yeah, they're not much different from yeah. you and I, like, you know. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> sure. that's the funny thing, though, is like I even found... Like, I grew up going to football games and going to bomber games specifically. So, like, I remember being the four-year-old kid, and actually it was, like, the Midas man used to come around. Like, I, <laughs> I think it was Midas man, but he had, there was these ugly yellow footballs that they would toss into oh, the yeah, crowd. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. I would be the cute little kid up front, and every game I would get, <laughs> I think I had a collection of 20 of these footballs for a little bit. And then my parents eventually were like, we don't need these red yeah. <laughs> footballs anymore. Um, but, uh, no, I think that sticks out in my memory. But it was, like, the Milt Steagles and the and the guy, like, Charles Roberts and whatever. Yeah. Like, those were the names that stuck out for me and just started to make me love the game of football. Like, I grew up in a hockey family. But then okay. football took over, and I ended up switching high schools to actually pursue it. So mm-hmm. it's – but it's cool when these, like, these – these guys that you thought were larger than life, all of a sudden you you go down that path and it's like, oh, I could be one of those one day. Yeah. Did you ever have a similar experience of like getting into football and just like like seeing those guys succeed at that high level? Um, I'm trying to think of a 
So I guess, okay, I'm going to answer this question, I guess, in two parts. Um, so I found my passion for football. Uh, I was about 10 years old watching what I, I'm pretty sure was the Grey Cup, <laughs> I want to say. <laughs> yeah, Montreal versus Edmonton. And uh, you know, I saw Ben Cahoon dive over the middle, make this tremendous one-handed catch. And it was the greatest catch I'd ever seen at that point in my life. And at that moment, I knew, I was like, I, I love this game. Like, um, I didn't start playing until I was older, but uh, it was funny. Every year, I'd ask my mom, hey, like, can I play football? And she's, no, 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 it's too dangerous. And, <laughs> it can is I play dangerous. hockey? No, I'm sorry. Like, we can't afford it. So every year, it was football, hockey, football, hockey, and all, you know. Um, so I just came home one day in grade 11, and I told her, I'm, I'm playing football. <laughs> she didn't give her a choice. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I found my, my, uh, my passion for it. And when I, I guess the moment now where I realized that it could be possible for me, um, well, I just alluded to it a few minutes ago, but uh, in 2016, I was playing junior for the Calgary Colts, and I was fortunate enough to uh, be a part of the practice roster with the uh, Calgary Stampeders. So just being around their facilities day in, day out, and they're a very successful team, as we know. They just won the Great Cup. But... Uh, seeing all the work that they put in behind the scenes and, uh, you know, seeing just what type of people they have there, what type of athletes they have there, um, opened my eyes to, you know, the possibilities that, you know, I could one day be in that, uh, that same position. Well, and then you went through some injuries in your junior career too. So was there ever a time through that where you thought like, this might not happen for me, or you even considered, you know, hanging up the cleats and retiring? Uh, yeah, absolutely. There are those, those, uh, Thoughts of doubt. Um, so what was the situation? like? The, so the first year, it was a contract dispute sort of between they, they wouldn't grant you your release from a team. Yeah. Was that from Vancouver or from? That was from, yeah, the VI Raiders. Um, so our the head coach from the VI Raiders, he got a job coaching for the Calgary Colts. Um, and it, it made sense for me. Uh, I was in the trades at the time to, you know, follow him out there to Calgary and, and continue to play for him. Uh, Matthew Blocker, uh, Coach Snoop, he's uh, to this day, I, I love the guy. He's, uh, he's done tremendous things for my family and I. Um, but, uh, yeah, so what had happened was, you know, the VI Raiders didn't uh, grant me my player release to, to go play for him. I had an option to move back home and play for the Winnipeg Rifles, but just, you know, at the time, that's just not something I wanted to do. I... I was already two years moved out in another city, and I wanted to continue to, to be away from home and go through that experience. Um, so I decided to, uh, yeah, to sit out a year, and uh, I just played in a men's league, uh, nothing too serious, and just focused on training. So the next year, um, it was March of 2015. It was about, yeah, well, a month before spring camp. Uh, playing in uh, just a touch football game with my buddies, and uh, I was playing quarterback. And I'm scrambling out, and I try to make a juke and make a guy miss, and uh, just planted the knee wrong, and boom, there she went. <laughs> so, yeah, that, uh, that was two straight years and almost three calendar years between uh, my last game, or in between games, I guess, wow. with the junior games. I can relate to that. So my football career, and it's funny because I find that sometimes you feel you have no, it just happens, and you don't really have a say in what happened. Like, I wasn't scouted out of high school, and I actually would have, a lot of my buddies from school went down to Okanagan or VI or went, yeah. went to BC to go play football, 
And I had an opportunity. It wasn't really exactly what I wanted. And so I ended up playing for the rifles, but I got hurt two straight years oh. coming out of high school. Yeah. And like, that's tough to go through. Two years of not playing a football is a long time. And it starts yeah. to, and especially it was preseason guys rolling up on my ankle and fracturing ankles. So it's like you spend six, eight weeks in a cast and then a walking boot. Yeah. And then you got to, and they don't realize that six months later, you're still trying to even out, you know, your muscles. Like, you know, you have imbalances and things yeah. and then got hurt the next year. And it was like, again, like going through this twice in a row. And it was like, do I hang these, like the cleats up? Am I done? But yeah. what I really liked about it was like, I was passionate about the training, about playing football. And I was like, this is what I should be doing. So that's when I decided to walk on to the Bisons. Yeah. I was already going to school there, yeah. made the roster. Unfortunately, my position was stacked that year. So yeah. it was the Dembski, Keenan, and, and Coons <laughs> year. Um, two, yeah. two CFLers, so two Bombers. Well, I guess Keenan is not with the Bombers. Like he's, his contract was up, I think. So I think he's a free agent. I'm I forget not, I'm exactly. Not 100% sure, but yeah, and then Coombs, I believe, is still out in Toronto. But it was like, you know, I'm competing, and at that time, those guys aren't CFLers, and that like they're guys competing for the same job. So it's like, yeah. it's tough to tough to go through that battle and know that they're good. But like now, we know really how good they oh, are. Oh, right? all three like, of them, yeah. I mean, yeah. they're all studs <laughs> in the CFL right now. Yeah. So, but then that led you to starting at uh, World Health and starting to become a trainer. And then do you think that that sort of put you on the path and what was that like? Oh, uh, absolutely. I, I always say that, uh, you know, the ACL tear was the best, worst thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> uh, it was a blessing in disguise for sure. Uh, it was a very humbling experience and, and it led me to, to that, uh, you know, World Health and, um, you know, pursuing a well, I shouldn't say a career, but, you know, a job, you know, as a personal trainer. And um, the big thing was, you know, there's so many people around in that facility that I can learn from, that I can, uh, you know, I guess gather information on how I can, sounds corny, but be a better me. That um, They had this setup where, you know, every month you're taking uh, some sort of courses that are taught by the elite trainers that have been doing it for, you know, 8 to 12 years or however long. Um, so they're teaching these courses on, you know, little things like mobility, nutrition, uh, you know, things like that. And uh, it, it was extremely helpful for, you know, me as an athlete, obviously, and me as a trainer wanting to, uh, you know, inspire others to, to uh, you know, be the best versions of themselves. So, uh, yeah, it was a great experience. And I, I could definitely see myself getting back into it, you know, down the road. Yeah, that's that's awesome that they, they kind of offer or like you have these elite trainers kind of offering that knowledge down. I think that's super important, yeah. especially in a, as a trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. I worked out probably for about seven years of my life before becoming a personal trainer. And I came into personal training thinking I knew everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just to realize how, and even today, like, I know I know nothing. I feel like I know nothing. There's so like much. <laughs> like, mobility wasn't even in, like, in my head at all. Like, yeah. that wasn't a word that existed in my vocabulary <laughs> yeah. until I started training. Yeah. And, and it changed my life, too, because I was just, I realized how, bad my posture was and and it helped with my posture and i i teach it to my clients religiously yeah and and then things like nutrition too i didn't have any idea coming into personal training and that's kind of where i started to learn about it 
And so it wasn't to me before it was just about lifting heavier and heavier weights yeah, yeah. <laughs> until like yeah. I, I dislocated my shoulder eventually doing that. <laughs> so I, I kind of, le- I always learned the hard way, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, like when you went into personal training, like what was your idea of kind of, uh, of like living healthy and then like, how did that change going into personal training? Oh, there was definitely a paradigm shift. Um, like you just said, uh, you know, I was just all about lifting heavy weights, um, you know, and I'll do some sprints here and there. um but yeah you know learning uh you know different perspectives on uh you know from different trainers was huge because there's like a lot of people kind of have their own backgrounds right or things that they're into um you know so everyone kind of brings their own little i guess flavor to the meal (laughs) (laughs) you know um yeah so yeah it was definitely it was awesome for me to learn just different uh different avenues that exercise can uh, really benefit your life and not just lifting heavy weights or just trying to run as fast as you can. <laughs> There's something about the the health and fitness community that just that either human optimization is a term that's thrown out there, but like, like just trying to better the self is like, yeah. and, and what elements of that can you, can you do? So like dietitians or trainers, and it seems like everybody sort of is trying to get at the same thing, like what's a holistically healthy person. And so it's also cool, like when you start that journey and you like, you realize, like you get to know people and then they have their base of knowledge and it just keeps going out. And then you try and like find how that relates to you and what y- your training style is. Like yeah. it's, it's there's but then you realize how much information is out there and how many new things are getting developed oh, all the time well and then the thing is with personal training too is is that it's come a long ways before it was just like i'm just gonna help you lose weight by pushing you really hard like i feel like that's how personal training used to be and now it's there because there's this kind of and there still is this wall between all these kind of different practices like massage therapy uh mobility and tra- training and uh whether it's bodybuilding or whatever, there's always this wall between everything. And that's kind of sorting, sort of starting to meld together a little bit into this kind of one big package. Like, how can I help you get to your goals, like help you lose weight while maintaining like good posture and, and functionality in your body, like, and and offer things like, I know through good life, they offer courses for things like uh, fascial mobility, which has been a huge one for, for good life. And and it changes people's lives where they, they like stop going to massage therapy and just get that instead. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, it's funny though, because you find what works for you. Like, I think there's so much information out there. Like now everybody, like I'm not somebody who does Cairo or anything. And it was like, it was, sitting in an office chair and getting lower back pain and it was like oh i got to do something for this and then it was getting into yoga and now i'm like i couldn't imagine going a week week without doing yoga because it's like yeah my posture my spine like my mobility and i can do things that like you know being i would say an athlete like still an athletic build and a bigger person it's like i'm able to do these movements that like the skinny athlete that just lifts heavy (laughs) can't do right Mm -hmm. so it's like and then you start to see how all of this plays into it. So maybe, do you have any sort of training things that are out of the norm that you picked up during that time? Ooh, out of the norm. Uh, during that time, I'm trying to think, like... And or just practices or things that you Yeah, like, I didn't really get into yoga too, too much until uh, I, you know, a few months before I moved back here. Um, I actually just got back into it again, uh, you know, for this uh, combine prep. It's... Uh, I, I mean, I love it. Like, as you said, to get into those positions and, um, you know, 
learning how to optimize movement. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but out of the norm, I, I wouldn't say when I was working as a trainer, there was anything like too crazy as I was still going through the rehab process myself. Um, as I had, I'd started working there in, um, October of 2015 and I had my surgery in July. So I was about, well, yeah, three, yeah, roughly three months post-op. So there was I, I, a lot of it was just rehab and getting, you know, ready for football again. Um, yeah, but, uh, I, yeah, I wouldn't say anything, I don't know, out of the ordinary. <laughs> like, it's, it's hard to me to even think of, like, what's normal these days, you know? It's true. I think there's so many, like, I, I even found throughout my football career, it was like you had guys that were more about powerlifting and certain things, and then it was, like, the explosive Olympic lifts and, th- like, being able to do a clean and jerk and a bunch of, like, heavy yeah. weight and stuff. So it's, it's like there were different schools of thought and a lot of ways you could get to, like, that optimal level. Um, and so it was, yeah, I would say at that time I, I wasn't really willing to go outside the box. It was, like, lift yeah. heavy, do those things. But, like, there's always, there's always new things being developed and new things to try. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's super cool. So I'm seeing the like the toque that you're wearing. A, yeah. Is it a bell? Let's talk. Toque? Yeah, yeah, not by accident. <laughs> <laughs> I was like keeping it on inside. I didn't even question it to be honest yeah. with you. I'm like, it is that cold out in Winnipeg right yeah. now. But uh, so, why the bell? Let's talk toque. Uh, well, I uh, I want to be a psychology major. That's uh, that's what I'm studying in, in school right now. And uh, yeah, I mean, like, let's get the conversation started early. You know, I know that their their promotion is for the thirtieth and. And whatnot, but uh, you know, at U of M, we just had a Bell Let's Talk night on Friday night there with the uh, volleyball and hockey games, and it's uh, yeah, it's just an, like the mental health, I guess, issue is just something that uh, I see that needs to be uh, you know touched on a lot more than it is. So uh, yeah, I mean, anything I can do to you know raise awareness to that and to um, you know try to help people through their struggles, you know, I'm I'm gonna do it. Yeah. I think, well, one of the things we did here was um, initially we volunteered at, uh, it was, well, actually, my time with the Bisons, we went out to Thompson and we were part of their suicide prevention program, flag football. Oh, cool. And that was a really interesting experience. But it's something, uh, and even in this last year, we volunteered. It was uh, a former member of the podcast, Colin, uh, and I went out to, um, it was a marathon, like a, a 10K and I believe 5K run and uh, volunteered our services for the day. And it was to do with suicide prevention, again, and mental health. So it's, um, it's been something. And, and what I found was actually having conversations about how mental health and certain issues and addictions have, have affected me and my own family. Um, so having those conversations and having those communities of people talking about just being honest about their story is really yeah. important. That sense of community is actually one of the things that keeps us strong and able to, you know, to, to power forward and be successful in life. Yeah, so it is important. And that's, that's awesome that that's part. So, um, so why this issue, how does it affect you? Uh, you know, yeah, for me, for me personally, it, uh, it definitely hits close to home. I, uh, you know, last fall I had a, uh, an uncle who passed away with uh, schizophrenia he was living with for a number of years. Um, you know, and like super close to me, uh, my mother, um, you know, she was having, uh, you know, symptoms of depression for, you know, a few years. And then, uh, you know, we find out that it was actually due to celiac disease. Oh, wow. It, it, yeah, a gut disease. 
that that's causing this. And uh, you know, I think that's another you know um, misconception, I guess, is that you know mental illness is not treatable and it's something that you live with and that you have to deal with. Um, you know, I know, I know, I think that you know there are definitely you know ways to treat it, and I think nutrition is is a huge, huge factor in in all that. Um, you know, so once we kind of figured out, oh, okay, like this is what's going on with her, um, you know, get her diet under control and all of a sudden, like it's subsided in, you know, a substantial way. I didn't know, is there a link between celiac and, and depression? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess, uh, something your, your intest. she was explaining to me this morning. <laughs> I can't remember exactly what it is, but, uh, it's a, it's an intestine problem and, and you, your body can't digest food. I guess properly, I guess, and uh, yeah, I guess it's it's linked to to depression and, and inflammation as well, and uh, yeah, that that holistic health seems to be so much more mainstream now than ever before. Like the different parts of a person coming together, and so it's like, yeah, you put your physical health, like whether it's celiac, whether it's even an injury or anything, and it's like those things can. I, the word trigger comes to mind, but I feel like that's becomes a loaded word now. Um, but you know, so if you're, if you're suffering with something physically, you can see how that brings down other aspects of your life. And so to find ways to treat, whether it is celiac or some sort of, um, intolerance to food or gluten or things like you can see now people who are maybe looking at things like diet and exercise levels and even sort of fulfillment and purpose are in that too, right? Like you you can easily fall into this road of like just negativity. And I've even found that through my injuries or even having too much time to myself where it's like you just, you get in this stagnant mindset and you don't feel like you're accomplishing. So you have to like reset and figure out exactly the trajectory. So it's like you go through those lulls. And I think that's an important thing in terms of growth. Um, So do you find that you ever went through things like that, like times like that? Oh yeah, absolutely. you know, I like there. There are always times of struggle, and uh, I, I, I don't think that people should just jump to the conclusion. Oh, I'm depressed, or oh, I have depression. It's like, well, no. Like, you're just kind of going through, I guess, the cycle of life, right? There's ups and downs in life, and mm-hmm. you know how do you, how you respond to those adversities is ultimately, you know, how I guess your your character is going to shine. And um, yeah, I mean, I guess just not staying down. Right. Like you're down, but not out like, there, you know, there's always something to work towards and something to be optimistic for in the future. I can completely I, I completely agree with that. That assessment and that sort of line of thinking is like there's sort of a healthy level of like you're going to go through ups and downs in life. Like nobody is going to go through life without experiencing loss or some kind of tragedy, quote unquote, or just stressful time where they're working too much or like maybe you're eating too much McDonald's, like, you know, like, (laughs) but you go through all these different phases in life. And it's like, I I think we've talked about it before, but it's like, we, we sort of have this expectation that life is, should always be up at the top. And it's like, that's not realistic. So what can you do? Well, you can equip yourself to better ride those waves. Like you can realize, all right, I may have had a shitty day or week or whatever it is. Like yeah. I may have had a tough time, but you know, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to figure out what the next step is, what the next thing I need to be doing, or maybe, and it's that self-assessment that's so important too. Yeah. But I do think that then there's the next level, which 
a, a true mental health issue where there might be something that lies outside of the norm or if you are in that negative place for, <clears throat> excuse me, a long time, it's like there may need to be some sort of outside thing that comes in and helps that. So whether that is, you know, like pills can help people, but it's like get through that troublesome time. Yeah. But it's like that shouldn't be our first inclination. I, I no. agree. Like, that should I be agree. like an end game. Yeah. Like if you can't find an answer, yeah. maybe that and, can help and you. And to me, that's sort of the Band-Aid on a bullet wound type of mentality. Yeah, it's, 100%, it's like 100%. here's this pill. It'll get you through the next couple of weeks. But like I think for us, it's like what's the sustainable thing that's going to help us throughout our lives? Like yeah. that should be a temporary thing to get through a temporary time. And the goal should be to get you back to that healthy level of like, Riding the waves of life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, trying to find the root cause. <clears throat> and like you said, not just, you know, putting a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. Like, what's causing this? Let's find out. Like, you know, um, assess yourself, yeah. right? Like, self-awareness, I think, is huge. Um, you know, so when you are feeling down, like, why am I feeling this way? You know, like, attack those feelings. Like, don't be, a, don't be afraid of them. Yeah. You know, face those. Yeah. So how did personal development get involved like you're always reading books whether it's sports psychology <laughs> yeah. or things to to help you grow so it's how did that come about and how has that helped you on your journey um well back to the uh you know me working as a personal trainer at world health um how they did it was they had they had you mentor with one of the elite trainers okay so it's a mentorship program you you met with these trainers um once a week roughly. But I mean, you see them every day. Um, so I decided, well, I'm going to take it one step further. Um, I'm going to get a mentorship for my first six months. And like, that's the only requirement. Well, I'm going to get a mentorship for the next six months as well. And then the six months after that. Um, so I constantly wanted a mentor in my corner, right? And it, it was through, you know, the, this mentorship that I, uh, you know, I was able to gather different ideas on, you know, on personal development, on goal setting, on, you know, all those things. Uh, time management, I think, is also huge. Um, one of my mentors, uh, Barrett Donovan, a trainer out of Calgary, um, he introduced that concept to me, um, and I still use it to this day. You know, you know having a daily planner and, uh, you know, highlighting different parts of my day, right? So say. Um, you know, fitness and, you know, exercise, whatever. Okay, I'm going to highlight that in green, all right? Um, personal development, whatever reading I want to do for the day, we'll say that's blue. Um, you know, meal prep, okay, we'll make that orange. And, you know, you kind of, you fit in, uh, you know, everything you want to do throughout the day. And then you're able to look at your day and, like, okay, well, I have an, an extra hour here. Uh, how do I want to spend that hour? How do I want to invest my time in that hour to maximize the day? Um I th so for me, I think time management was probably the biggest uh, influencer on me. Are there any guys? So Kamara is one of my favorite running backs, but obviously Marshawn Lynch back in the day oh, and things yeah. too. Oh, yeah. So I have players that I modeled my game after. Who are some guys that maybe you've modeled your game as a receiver after? Oh, okay. Uh, man, there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we can it's go gonna, down yeah, the list. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. Um, First, first and foremost, probably would be uh, Julian Edelman. Uh, that's a guy I look to, and um, just the toughness that he shows going over the middle, making those catches, and um, you know, more importantly, what he does after the catch, uh, I think, is huge too. Um, you know, uh, one of my old coaches, uh, Coach Snoop, actually, uh, he'd always say, "You're expected to catch the ball. Like you play receiver, that 
catch the ball, but what are you going to do for me after the catch? That's what I want to see. Um, so, you know, when, once I heard that, I was like, oh, okay, all right. Well, that's another <laughs> part of my game I want to work on. Yeah. Uh, you know, so Julian, Julian Edelman in that aspect. Um, I went like Odell Beckham with, uh, <laughs> with his ability to catch the ball one-handed. Uh, I, that's something I practice, and that's something I, you know, aspire to emulate in his game for sure. Um, you have some nice one-handed catches <laughs> from your highlight <laughs> <Thank> reel. <there. laughs> um, who else? I mean, uh, Heinz Ward is a guy too. Uh, his, his toughness in the blocking game, uh, him Anquan Bolden as well. Um, and then in terms of sorry, no. and then in terms of uh, you know character and uh, Larry Fitzgerald is a guy I think nice. to look at in, in terms of just the way that he approaches the game, um, his professionalism and just yeah, I mean the character that he displays. Uh, I mean, I think, yeah, he's a guy that uh, every athlete, I think, could look to and, and pick some sort of quality and try to uh, emulate. It's funny because I even found, um, I definitely had guys that I emulated my game after, but do you ever find that numbers on the football field have personalities? Like the guys that you take after, for me it was number 34 became that number that, <laughs> oh, I should oh, probably okay. be a 44 because it was <laughs> that number came up a lot in life. Um, and like the only guy that wore it while I was still playing was yeah. Chad Cackert. Okay. For, yeah, for yeah, Toronto. yeah. He was that. good for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but, you, uh, you know, the forties have been saved mostly for fullbacks or Peyton Hillis was number 40 for yeah, a little while. That's right. He was my favorite for that one year. That one was, year. Yeah. The Madden cover year. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to him? Especially as a Browns fan, you know, we thought he was going to be the savior, but unfortunately his career sort of didn't pan out and he he left on sort of bad terms mid-year and got hurt a bunch. So you never know sort of how that career is going to go. But for me, it was the Earl Campbells back in the day and the Walter Payton's, yeah. Jim Brown's, which he wasn't 34, but, yeah. you know, and it was emulating. Like, I got I got obsessed with the history of football a little bit and just yeah. seeing the different parts of people's games and how you, like, you could be a power back. And one of my favorite highlights, and this is going to go against everything football is trying to uh, accomplish right now with concussion <laughs> protocols and safe tackling, but Earl Campbell, when he puts his head into the guy's chest oh. and hits him back, the guy falls like a yeah. sack of yeah. bricks, but probably hits him back about three feet. And then he goes, the, and then there's another one where he gets hit in the head on about the two-yard line and stumbles around and basically does a 360 pirouette and ends up in the end zone. Yeah. And it's just... There's freakish, freakish plays that he had. Yeah, another one too that stands out is uh, an Adrian Peterson play. I think it was against the Packers where he just puts his head down, like crown of his helmet, and just runs through the guy, and yeah, gets up and keeps going. It's such a, um, it's it's strange because I wouldn't take back anything I did in my career, but I kind of worry about how my head is impacted long term. I mean, like. That research started to come out about the same time. I mean, everybody's always worried about their kids playing sports because there is that risk for in, in injury. So how do you feel, like, I think the game is changing even at the grassroots level to more, like, you're going to start out playing touch or flag football at a young age, and you're only really going to bring tackling into it at about the, the high school level. So do you think that that shift's going to happen? Like, how, how have you seen the concussion protocols change and then... You know, how has that impacted the game, too? Um, you know, I, for me, like, I, I haven't had to deal with it firsthand. I'm, I'm fortunate to not have ever suffered a serious concussion. But uh, I do think uh, that you just alluded to the idea that, uh, you know, they might not introduce tackling until, you know, the high school level. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure they do that with hockey right now. They don't introduce hitting until what? I believe 12, so. 12 or 13. Yeah. 13-ish, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, like, that would be, that might be a good idea too. Um, but, yeah, like, the the seven-on-seven seven tournaments, the touch tournaments are, that that's what's growing the game immensely too. Um, and it's kind of, it's allowing, you know, receivers and, and uh, defensive backs to really work on their technical skills and not just solely resort to, I'm just going to run into this guy and hit him with my head as hard as I can. It's like, well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wrap him up. I'm going to get positioning on him. I'm going to bring him down. Um, yeah, so I think those little, um, those little details will make a difference down the road. Yeah, it seems it's evolving so quickly, too. Like, the thing I love about football is, to me, it reminds me, it's the closest thing to the gladiatorial arena. Yeah. Where I feel I'm a, I'm a history buff and enjoy the Roman times and things. And that's always, it's like the raw emotion that you have to put into it. Yes, it's your skill and your will that are involved in playing the game of football. But it's that battle with the person across from you. And it's willing to do what it takes. I mean, oh, I wish sure. I want to put on the, the uh, Al Pacino game of inches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So good. So good. <laughs> if that doesn't get you going oh. about life or workout or whatever, Nothing you're not. You, you don't understand. You're not a human being. <laughs> so it's, but that's what I love about football is the fact that it just it gives this ability for the seemingly impossible or like these amazing moments to happen so i mean we talk about one-handed odell beckham catches <laughs> we talk about earl campbell running people over it's like it it gives that ability for amazing things to happen and part of that is that raw emotion that goes into football so it's yeah at what point do these hitting rules get in the way of the game and like destroy the game that we love yeah a, a guy that i that uh that i watched growing up that i loved uh, in terms of raw emotion, was uh, Steve Smith with the Carolina Panthers. Um, just so contagious. Like, every first down catch that he made, he gets up and he's he's fired up for the whole game. Um, you know, and it's funny because, like, like, for me personally, I feel I perform at my best when I'm calm, I'm cool, I'm collected. And the odd time I'll have that emotion take over. And, and you know, it's after usually a big play. But you know, ten seconds later, I'm, I'm immediately back to to center and just okay, next play, you know. But in those moments when the emotion does take over, it's that's I mean that's when I'm having the most fun for sure. Yeah, there's definitely. It was even funny you walking in here today. It's like there are different personalities of teams, and I almost find that there might be an optimal one, but the best coaches bring out their style of play. And and I mean, at the NFL or CFL levels, you can bring in players that emulate the type of game that you play. But then there's also the coaches that are adaptable to who they have and the pieces yeah, that they have around them. For sure. So there's there's sort of that equal. You can bring in talent. You can bring in guys that, that fill the roles that you want on the team. But you also have to, like, there's different pers- – each team has a personality. And so I brought it back to – um, St. Paul's versus Churchill yeah, 2008 yeah. <laughs> and uh, in a championship game but it was we had the talented players but we were very a, a loose mindset where it was we were, we were shooting the shit before <laughs> the game and we were like ragging on each other and sending jokes around and it was like but that was our way of staying loose going into an important game and we knew what was at stake but it was just we didn't want to be overly aggressive we wanted to be loose and just enjoying it whereas we had 
we played St. Paul's, who brings in the priest before the game, says a prayer, yeah. and they're all hand in hand and brotherhood, and they were really well disciplined and maybe less raw talent, but just that discipline and knowing where they were supposed to be and just having rep things time and time again yeah. until it's perfect. But and that was such a great game. Like it was we ended up winning by two points, but it was back and forth oh, wow. at the end. Twenty eight twenty six, which funny enough, this year, so Vincent Massey plays St. Paul's, and it's the same coach that coached me, and it was 28-25 that Vincent Massey won. So, (laughs) and it's about it's ten years since that game. So I went. This is really nostalgic in a way. Like you know, you have the there were so many echoes of that game. That's eerily close. (laughs) Eerily close. Even how things went down, it was just back and forth, and some errors on both sides, and then it was like, but they rallied together, the Vincent Massey team, and found a way to win. Which it's just it's cool that you can have those different mentalities, but then you can each team has a chance to win. Yeah, like St. Paul's has won tons of years in the past. Like yeah, yeah. I think yeah, as you uh, you just touched on, um, you know, the coaches being able to adapt to the type of players that they have. Um, I mean, well, let's get back to the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not a I'm not a Patriots fan by any means, but like for me, it's hard not to appreciate greatness. Right, like you, you look at what uh, Belichick and Brady have done over the years, and it's it's historic. Um, yeah. Those two are the only like two constant guys that have been in that that like program. It's hard. It's weird calling an NFL team a program. Um, <laughs> dynasty, dynasty. dynasty yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, new OCs every year. Well, not every year, but you know, every third year or so, um, they have coaches coming in and out. They have all these new players and. A lot of them aren't really high, like first round draft picks, because they're in it every single year. But what what they're great at is okay, like these these are the players that we have. This is the talent at our disposal. How are we gonna deploy this? And every year they're right there at you know uh, ten and six, eleven and five, some more so twelve and four, uh, and they're you know they're they're finding those ways to adapt, uh, you know, year in year out. So, yeah, I think coaching does go a long way. So maybe who is the best coach you've had and or the best moment you've had playing or even game? Wow. That's a, okay. <laughs> I know it's a two-part That's question. That's a loaded but, question. Yeah. That's a loaded question. Um, uh, best, like, best coach, it's it's tough to, to pinpoint, like, best coach because um, – you know, like that's kind of it's a unfair sub- to the other coaches. Yeah, that it's have that, and it's yeah. subjective, and you know, in terms of how we're defining best. Um, but I guess, like for me, the the closest coach that I've been with would be Coach Snoop uh, Matthew Blocker. Uh, I played for him my whole junior career. Um, he was a great motivator. So, like, not really an X's and O's guy. Like, he knows his stuff, but he didn't spend a lot of time, you know, breaking down. Uh, you know, plays and and going through concepts or things like that. He was more so the guy that, you know, on game day or before the practice starts, like you're ready to play for him every single day. You're ready to play for him. Um, so yeah, he's he's had a big impact on my life. Um, you know, he, he coach Doby as well. He he's a good coach. Um, he's not. <laughs> I wouldn't say he's a motivator <laughs> or so, but um, you know, he's. Uh, He's great with people. He's a great communicator. Um, yeah, he, he's, uh, I mean, you know, a good guy to play with. But uh, I didn't have the pleasure of playing for him as long as I did with Coach Snoop. Um, so I think that's part of the reason why, I, you know, I, I lean towards him a little bit more. Because, you know, I played with him for five years. So 
that's something that you can't really take away. Yeah, there there are definitely those different personality types. It's funny because Madden has it. You can pick the the strategist, the motivator, or the team builder. And yeah. I would say Dobie is the penultimate team builder. He brings yeah. in really great people. And it's you have maybe that coach that's a motivator. Then you have that coach that's the strategist. And when yeah. you get those things aligned and you have all those things represented, it's I, I sort of I talk about the Colosseum in the Roman times and gladiators, but it's almost like a battle, right? Like a war, one side against the other, and so it does take the strategy. It does take that big speech before that yeah. motivation, getting people. People don't realize that a football team, everybody has to be on the same page. So the motivator is the one that that gets people to be living towards that purpose, to sort of get that team on the same page and working towards the same goal. Yeah, I think. Like energy levels and body language is paramount in terms of that. Um, te- like teams, teams feed off, you know, energy levels and body language. Like you can tell, you know, you're you're sitting in in the locker room before a game, and you look like I'm scanning the room and I'm seeing, and I can tell who's ready to play and who's and who's not. You know, like just just based on their body language. Like, are you are you sulking? Are you sitting like this? Or are you sitting at attention, ready to go? You know, when you run out of that tunnel, is it is it with that raw emotion or are you just going through the motions? Yeah. Big difference. That's um, It's really funny, though, because I remember the dressing room before games and you had some really interesting things happen in terms of, like, the way guys prepared or sometimes. So we had one guy, a receiver, last name Bowman, um, and he would always – puke before games in the in the trash bucket (laughs) you know he would because that those nerves people don't realize playing in front of people and at a high level yeah you have all sorts of emotions going on especially if you're he was a punter and a receiver Mm -hmm. and one of those guys a really hard worker and just made a ton of plays and a ton of great catches but if you saw him before the game you're like this guy's too nervous nervous. yeah and yeah fingers in the throat and he'd be puking before a game and i'm it's funny because I never felt that I had that stress going into games. I would try yeah. and get myself jacked up or motivated. Typically, that was listening to music and getting my head sort of in that. It's almost, I found a groove helped me. Whenever I was having yeah. fun and just kind of loose and dancing before a game. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. You just touched on that, like, you know, getting nervous and anxious before games. And, you know, prior to this season, I'd, I'd felt that, you know, I was getting too nervous before games, you know, in 2016, 2017, you know, when I was back from that ACL. Because, um, you know, being out of the game for so long, I built up those moments too much, right? So I was overthinking them. I was, like, I was thinking about them for too long, you know? Um, whereas, you know, I got to this year and I, I shifted my mindset in, in terms of the way I prepare, Um I started really focusing on on gratitude. I know you'll appreciate that. I always see you posting on that. But um, so what I would do is I have a you know a little journal I'd write in uh, every night before the game would start, and I'd think of you know the things I'm grateful for. Um, very simple exercise, um, but you know I'd keep those thoughts going into game day, and even you know right before kickoff, you know I'm looking around whatever stadium we're in, um, and I'm just thinking to myself like, wow, like. I'm so grateful to be in this moment right now. Um, you know, I'm just going to, you know, focus on my breathing throughout the game and, you know, stay in the moment and just, you know, I'm I'm, I'm so happy to be here right now. I'm not going to let anything distract me from that. And it, uh, it, it helped immensely. I mean, I felt like this was the most consistent year that I had. And 
yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to keep that going for, you know, whichever think or that, wherever I'm playing. I think that's crucial, uh, what you just said, and just kind of uh, with uh, focusing on your breathing, living in the moment, right? Yeah. Instead of letting the anxiety get to you, because what's happening when you're when that anxiety is getting to you is you're thinking of the things that are could possibly go wrong, right? Yeah. So you're not, your head's not entirely there. You're always thinking ahead yeah. and trying to avoid something that may not even happen to begin with. Yeah, I, uh, I had the pleasure of meeting with a sports psychologist, actually, just before the season started. And one of the things she touched on was, you know, focus on what's in your control, right? So outcomes, you, you can't control outcomes. But what you can control is how you approach, you know, the the process, right? For lack of a better word. So, for example, um, you know, say I have a, you know, I have a rep and I'm running, uh, we'll say a corner route, okay? I can't control how the defender is going to play me. I can't control if the quarterback's going to throw me the ball. I can't even control if I'm going to, you know, make the play and catch the ball. Like I can't, you know, I can't uh, foresee that. All I can do is focus on, okay, how am I going to beat my defender and how how am I going to make this play, right? I, I can't control anything else, so that's the only thing I'm going to focus on. And approaching it in that sense completely shifted my game, I think, for the better. I find that confidence was the biggest determiner of outcome in football. <laughs> um, and it, it's almost not until hindsight that I realized that, um, but it was every time that the ball was thrown my way and you have this this the self talk even during a play and it's almost it's hard to explain because you might not even consider it it's so quick it but you have this it's either a feeling it's you're probably not self talk more than the feeling of i'm either going to catch this ball yeah, or i'm not i know exactly what you're talking <laughs> about yeah and so as soon as you get it in your mind i'm going to make this play and some and that's why it's crazy. Like you go up one handed and you go, I'm going to find a way to, to bring yeah. this ball down. And that happens all the time. And then you see guys, even at the NFL level, where it's a simple over the middle five yards, they're wide open drop. and it hits their hands and they drop it. Yeah. And it's really that confidence piece that plays into that. It's okay. I don't think I'm going to catch. Well, you probably won't. You don't put your hands quite in the right spot. Yeah. And it's so minute. Those. Where, those where's the line between that? That right level of confidence and then overconfidence then. Yeah. Ooh, that's tough. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure how to even explain that one. Football players, I would say, ride the line of oh, what that for is. Sure. <laughs> for sure. And, and it depends on what type of player you are, too, because I think there is the, the humble confidence, there's the in-your-face confidence, and then there's the cockiness. Yeah. And... Mm-hmm. I find the cocky guys can be broken, mm-hmm. where if you get in their head or if you get them off their game, you know, they might be the best player. We've talked about Cam Newton before as one of those guys, but it's like if you get that cocky mentality, then you might bring that to your own teammates, and you don't want that. You want your team to sort of have your back at the end of the day. Yeah. So that guy that's me, 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 you know, well, yeah. that, yeah, that for sure. celebrating he's always, after. He's yeah. always comparing himself even to his own teammates. It's like at the end of the day, this is a team game. We play oh, it together, sure. right? Like yeah. you're, not, you're not getting the ball unless the quarterback's throwing it to you. Unless the quarterback has the time to make the throw, right? Yeah. It starts with the five guys in front of him as exactly. well. Exactly, exactly. Right? Um, but, uh, yeah, in terms of that, uh, I guess walking the line of confidence, um, you know, I, I strive to be that guy that 
let lets my play do the talking. I, I've never been much for you know trash talking the opponent or trying to get into their heads or anything. Because um, I feel for me, it, it takes my focus away from what I need to do in the game, right? So instead of you know me you know staying in the moment and you know focusing on the next play, here I am focusing on the opponent and trying to get into his head, and I, I feel like it's it's counterproductive for me anyway. Like some guys, you know they're they're so high strung that they they need that engagement to keep their focus, right? Because I guess I don't know maybe their minds wander or something, you know. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it, it's interesting competing against different guys and kind of just you know going against those different personality types. Well, receivers and DBs especially have that. You're sort of out on those islands sometimes, yeah. or you might see the same guy all game. So it, some guys will think that that's an advantage if I can be jawing in your ear and say you're not going to make this play. You you blank, blank, blank. Yeah. <laughs> you know, throwing a couple of choice curse words in there and calling them some <laughs> names. But I think there is there is a healthy level of that that's I'm trying to affect the opponent's game. And then there was the way I played, which I would say is much like you, where it's the humble just, I'm going to keep getting up, I'm going to keep fighting, I'm going to play my game. And it's funny because, yeah, I talk a mile a minute, I'm a communicator. <laughs> but in games, I would be pretty silent. And then the only talk that I would have were when guys would try and say, you know, try and get in my head. And yeah. I was like, come hit me again next play. Yeah. You're not going to break me. Yeah. And that was sort of my mentality was I might be only 5'9", and I might be 190 with these 230, 40-pound yeah. linebackers coming to hit me. But I went, I'm going to keep coming an entire game, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to run into you. I was sort of a power back in a small man's body. <laughs> yeah. But it was, you know, I didn't shy away from contact, and I just said I was going to wear guys down, and they were never going to break me. So I think that that's – there are the two personality types yeah. that can succeed in football for sure. It's, yeah. uh, it's fascinating as, as a viewer to, to hear about the psychological warfare – that goes into a football because as a viewer and when I'm watching football, I'm not really thinking about that. It's just, it's the physical aspect. Like this guy has one job and he has to do that job. I'm not thinking of what's going through his head when that ball is snapped. Right. Right. So it, it's really interesting. I think probably a large majority of the audience doesn't really see that. Like when that guy, when it's that shorthanded pass that, that that's less than five yards or something and he drops it and everyone's literally looking down on him and he knows that. But that. a good team, and that's the difference. We had a thing in high school, and it's it, we always said turn the page. Whenever something like yeah. that happened, it was turn the page, next play. Right. The outcome of this play doesn't have to determine the outcome of the next player. It has nothing to do with it. If you do yeah. your job right, you're one play away from either scoring a touchdown, getting the first down, Maybe they get a flag, whatever it is. But just you're to, always one play away. Just to always think that that could be part of it, right? Like you miss that five yard pass, and then that. What if it doesn't? He doesn't turn the page, and he carries that into the next play, and he's just thinking about it, and like, oh, here comes another pass, and he. But he's still in the he, past. He's still exactly, yeah. yeah I think uh, you just articulated that. I think beautifully there. Um, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, next play, right? It's all on how you respond, right? So, yeah, you can. You can drop a pass. Like, I'm sure everyone's dropped a pass at some point in their career, but how are you going to respond from that? Yeah, right. That that just happened, but that's that does not determine what you do in the next play, right? And yeah, I think that's true. what separates you know the good from the great is the ability to just flush it and move on, and uh, you know not let a previous failure um, hinder you from a future success. And that's why I think football 
teaches you so much about life because yeah. such is life where if you fail, you might fail at this or that or the other thing, but you can keep going and keep doing, working towards whatever your goal is. If it's like getting a promotion at work, if you get overlooked the first time, yeah. you can either see that as a challenge that I should work better, uh, more efficiently, get more done something, or you can say, oh, this isn't for me. I didn't, don't deserve it, this, that, the other thing. So that, that mindset, like football, I felt taught so much uh, to me about life. So it's, it's great that you can apply that then to other things, too. Um, I did want to know that favorite football play that you have. Favorite or, football play that I've made? That, that you've made, or even the game that you had oh. that was one of those games. Okay. Um, well, favorite play, um, pro- well, probably from this past season, um, where we, we were in Calgary, and uh, I had a corner route. And it wasn't there initially. Um, you know, quarterback was scrambling out. And he's rolling to his right, and he just points. He's like, hey, go that way. Go upfield. So I, you know, break my route, and I head upfield, and he just, I mean, he threw it right down the sideline, and, and he put it in perfect spot for me. And, um, you know, I was able to just go up, and I, you know, go up with one hand and, and get one foot down as I got pushed out of bounds. Um uh, it's probably the, the favorite play I mean that I've made in my career. Uh, it's a catch that as a receiver that you you dream of making. Uh, like it's weird. Like I I visualize things like that. I when I get into you know meditation, um, you know sometimes uh, yeah I'll, I'll visualize certain parts of the game and oddly enough making a catch like that that was something that I've thought of a thousand times. Um, what did it feel like? making that catch what was going through your head um yeah i was i don't it's weird there's nothing really going through my head i was in that space of stillness yeah. i you know uh okay i'm gonna kind of dr- drive off a little bit i was reading a book uh called flow okay <laughs> i was just thinking that i was thinking flow states when you were saying yeah that, so <laughs> yeah took it right out of my mind yeah so yeah exactly that that book talks about the the flow state and yeah, I mean, there was nothing that I was thinking of. I was just in the moment reacting. I was in—I felt like I was in that flow state, and um, yeah, I mean, I—I I don't know. I got up and I was like, "Oh, like that happened." Like the ref like gave the signal, and yeah, I, I don't know. It's weird. I can't really even explain to you the moment or anything. It just—I uh, was just so excited when it happened <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> For sure. It's so funny. It's that. It's those seconds of just. It's almost blankness that you don't, you actually no, aren't thinking of anything. Felt, you're completely in the moment and just, yeah. you're like, that ball is mine. Yes, and I'm going it, it to felt go like time that's slowed. that's true focus. And, yeah. yeah, it felt like time slowed down. And as you just said, like, that ball is mine. So as a receiver, I think it's vital to have that mindset when the ball's in the air, that's my ball. Like immediately, that should be like the first thought that pops in your brain is, oh, that's mine. Like, um, yeah, the mentality of it definitely goes a long way because, well, as we said earlier, like if you go in thinking, oh, like I might drop this, you're probably going to drop it. But if you have that confidence that, no, this is my ball, you know, nine times out of 10, you're going to make that play. It's uh, something I read in a book that I'm just finishing up, but it's called The Happiness Advantage. I forgot the name last time, (laughs) but... uh, the happiness advantage. And it says your brain actually doesn't comprehend, like 
your imagination is like a real experience. So that visualization of catching those footballs and saying, yeah. I'm going to make that one-handed grab or yeah. just thinking ahead can actually make such an impact on when it comes to you actually doing it in that moment because you've visualized yourself succeeding in that moment. Hmm. I have both a favorite play and a favorite game that I've ever had. But unfortunately, my best play ever was at a Bison's practice. <laughs> um, and it was so we would, as running backs, sometimes go one-on-one -on -one with DBs whenever we sort of had an extra period or time. And so I went one-on-one, -on -one and I was just running a fade route over the top. And so I stemmed to the outside a little bit. The guy comes up, and he's right on my hip, and he's got a hand in my face, and he's actually grabbing. It's practice, so there's not a ref about to throw it. <laughs> yeah. So he's sort of pinning my hand behind, and I went, but I just saw it. And it was a high throw, and I, was, I went, I'm going to find a way to catch this. I'm coming down with this football. Yeah. And so I jump, and I pin it against the, the DB's helmet, and then wow. spin in the air, and I catch it oh, one-handed wow. on my back. So yeah. it was it was one of those, and we had the O-line coach was right there, and he was like, that's the best live catch I've ever seen. Yeah. And I'm like, shit, I did this in practice. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's so funny, though, when you just have that feeling that something is going to happen, and you just go towards that, that play, that, that, that end game, whatever it is, like making that catch. And then when it happens, you just go, oh, that was kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, to kind of go back to what you just touched on uh, in terms of the brain and, uh, you know, the, um, the imagination, I guess, state, um, I feel sometimes, you know, when I'm meditating and, I, and I'm visualizing these things, like I'm getting the same kinesthetic sensations. Like I can feel like, my body is kind of like twitching almost and like reacting to, to um, you know, the plays or the situations that I'm putting myself in. Um, and then, yeah, when it does happen on the field, you're, you're not thinking about it. Now you're just reacting. It's like, oh, okay, well, I've taken myself through this experience already. Uh, and now I don't have to think about it. I'm just going out there and doing it. Um, so I, like for me, for, you know, preparing for, uh, you know, the combine coming up and, um, you know, hopefully being in a camp come June, these are things that I'm going to be, you know, visualizing that I, like I've already worked, worked on. Um, so that, you know, when I get to that point, there's no, you know, huge element of surprise. I feel like I'm already prepared for those moments. Yeah. That preparation is so key. It, are there any personal development books other than flow? I know you mentioned yeah, flow, yeah. but ones that have been really impactful on you and your journey. Um, there's been a couple, um, the mindful athlete by, uh, George Mumford was a big one. Uh, he just talks a lot in that book about mindful breathing. Um, and that, yeah, I mean that, that kind of impacted me and like on and off the field for sure. Um, yeah. And this, the author, George Mumford, uh, he worked very closely with the, uh, Phil Jackson teams in the nineties and the two thousands. So with Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant worked very closely with them. And, you know, both of them had come out and said that, you know, his work was very influential on their success. So that kind of, you know, opened my eyes to this whole mindfulness thing. Um, and I, I've noticed, I mean, tremendous benefits from that. Uh, another book, uh, The Champion's Mind by uh, Jim Aframow. That's another really good book. Um, those, the combination of those two, I'd actually, I'd read every day before game day. Wow. I'd go in there and I'd find, you know, just key points to focus on. Uh, you know, it could be breathing. It could be, you know, gratitude. It could be, 
um, you know, staying in the moment, uh, you know, uh, leadership qualities. How, how can I be a better leader on this day? Uh, just a bunch of things that helped out a lot. Um, what I'm reading right now is uh, called Blink um, by Malcolm Gladwell is his name. And uh, it kind of touches on what he calls thin slicing, I guess. So trusting your, your initial instincts um, in, in a given moment and not being over analytical about things. I'm only a couple chapters in, but uh, it's, it's a pretty interesting book nonetheless. Um, but uh, yeah, probably those two or three, I'd say, would be the ones that have impacted me so far the most. Somebody's got to come up with an athlete Bible because it, it's almost what you <laughs> yeah. said is those there's almost verses or you'd find that chapter or that thing and you'd yeah. read it and it would definitely it would it would affect you in that moment and your mindset. But putting yeah. you in that mind state that you're ready to play, it's almost we should piece together these sort of great you passages should, or places in these different. You books. should trademark that right now. <laughs> the athlete Bible. Yeah. Trademark. Yeah, that's yours. People out there that I just freely gave that idea to. <laughs> um, but no, I think. Yeah, that mindset's so important. Personal development. And again, that was something about your story that really stood out to me was during my time playing football, I didn't know about these things and I wasn't doing these things or reading these books. And it's, I wish I would have known. I wish somebody would have almost said that there's another part of this. I was sort of competing at only the physical aspect in a sense. I was training super hard, but maybe even too hard, right? right? I could have trained smarter. I could have had the knowledge, I could have understood positive mind states and things. I could have mm-hmm. ate a little bit different. Like, yeah. But it's it's tough because when you're that young and you're cooking for yourself and it's chicken, rice, veggies every day, yeah. it's it's tough to find those things that are that you can do even as a young adult playing football. Mm-hmm. And I think at the toughest times, I felt like a piece of meat playing football, but I think it was almost, that was a little bit my own doing, right? Because I was living that lifestyle right too so it's yeah i I guess it's that's what stood out about your story is the fact that you keep this knowledge that you're going after that and i think that it'll play such a big part in your success coming up too is like getting that mindset right and having the work ethic and the desire is a lot of the battle between becoming it's that good to great jump right the guys that actually make it to the next level that talent only gets you so far. Oh, 100%. And I'm almost grateful in life. I've always felt like an underdog, and maybe it's because I've yeah. had that mindset, but you know, I wasn't physically gifted in the sense that I was always going to be five foot nine and struggle taking off weight, but struggling to be fit in a sense. Yeah. Um, and it was, I was always a little bit too slow, a little bit too short, a little bit, you know, I, I didn't mm-hmm. quite have it but kept striving forward and had that work ethic and that mentality. And I wish I would have found that next level of like, what could get me just past the next person yeah. beside me. But it seems that you've found that, which is really, I don't <laughs> I know. Really I hope great. so. <laughs> yeah. There's still a, a long ways to go yet. Yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like I'm a bit of an underdog too, right? Uh, you know, starting football in grade 11 and not it not being my first sport and, you know, obviously, I'm not the biggest guy either. I'm, I'm you know, 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, um, but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, we take pride in that. You know, we take pride in that we need that work ethic to succeed. Um, you know, we, we might not be naturally physically gifted, so we've had to work very hard to, to get to where we want to, to be. 
Um, and I'm super grateful for that. I'm, I'm very grateful for, um, you know, all the, all the, uh, experiences or adversities that have shaped me who I am today. Um, cause you know, I, I think, you know, had I been, um, you know, six, four, six, five and everything handed to me, Hey, what's would wrong I, with being six, five? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing for you. No. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, maybe I didn't articulate that properly. But, <laughs> that's okay, that's okay. Um, but I guess, yeah, like if, if everything had been handed to me, um, you know, I don't think that I'd have the same mindset or mentality that I have. Um, yeah, so I, I am grateful for this know, is, all those things. There's a documentary that I watched a long time ago, and it was actually about Aussie rules football. So I was on the way to Australia, <laughs> okay. and it was actually it might have been the the plane ride to Fiji. I also went to Fiji on that same trip. It was an amazing experience, and just yeah. culturally and the beauty of the landscape. It almost seems like a different world there. That's besides the point. The documentary was about these athletes, and it was guys sort of that played on this national Aussie rules football team when they were 13 or 14. And it was funny because they, there was maybe a little bit of foreshadowing, but it was the most talented guy, and he sort of buzzered out and got involved in drugs and different things and fell yeah. off. And, and it's almost because it came too easy to him, right? And, yeah. and I definitely saw those guys around me in high school that were better athletes, but I was still playing football after they were done their careers. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, Point, it takes that work ethic and that passion towards it. So there were, and then there was another guy who was again naturally talented and this one of the all stars of the tournament and everything. And he also didn't make it. And it was not quite the same story, but he just fell off and lost passion for it. Yeah. The guy that made it was the quiet guy in the corner who was like sort of the underdog who didn't quite have all the skills, but he had that drive and that determination. Yeah. And the film ends with him stepping onto the Aussie Rules football league, like onto the field for the first time in his first game. And it was, and you just, there's so much of that story that shows through in that too. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. I I was just going to say, skill will always take you further than talent, um, as long as you're willing to work for it, right? Skill or will? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Combination of the two. uh, I think a lot of people with natural talent uh, tend to take their that talent for granted and so they don't work as hard as -hmm. someone who maybe like you has to work a little bit harder than than the the person who is six foot five right who can make those catches a little bit more easily and doesn't have to jump as far right (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because i actually I've never seen you in person before today, so I was actually expecting, even in your highlights, I didn't really look at the size of you. Yeah, it's hard to see. I would have guessed you were six foot something going into a six foot. So, you know, it's something you don't realize until somebody, and we've been sitting in chairs, so I haven't really thought of it, but that's that's super funny. So what is your daily routine like now training for the combine, and how do you expect that that process is going to go for you? Um, daily routine right now, uh, I'm still in classes at the U of M, but, uh, so I'm fortunate right now to be living at home again for the first time since I was 18. Um, so just having home cooked meals again is, oh, it's huge. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it uh, reduces a lot of stress for sure. Um, but yeah, so I'll wake up, uh, you know, I'll have my, uh, my steel, my steel cut oats with, you know, with the eggs and the avocado and, um, you know, get the day started with that. Uh, I try to meditate for the first 10 minutes 
of uh, of my day to get things started and just get in the right frame of mind. Um, so, you know, I'll go to whatever class, like all my classes are in the morning. So I'll go to my morning class and then for the afternoon, it's, it's go time. Uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, in, uh, in the facilities doing uh, weightlifting or on the field doing, uh, you know, all the, all the combine drills, uh, speed training, um, yoga, I'm doing yoga three, four times a week right now. Uh, I'm playing a little bit of basketball as well. Nice. Uh, a little bit of cross training, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of things I'm doing every day. And uh, and then to unwind, I guess, is when I'm doing my personal development, my reading and, and things like that, kind of near the end of my days. Um, but, yeah, it's it's two to three times a day, six days a week right now. Two to three training sessions? Yeah, two to, th- <clears throat> two to three training sessions a day. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. People don't realize at a certain point it's – well, I've even talked to CFL guys that – it, it does become a job. I mean, you got to have the passion for it, and, and it can be maybe one of the most fun jobs in the world. And some people might see it as a, well, it is they're pursuing their passion at the highest level, right? And I think that's optimally how it goes. But it is sometimes a struggle when you're putting in that much time and you're exhausted. And, and so it's finding that, that rest and relaxation and keeping your body healthy and your mind healthy is... Um, is a struggle people don't see with athletes. They sort of see you on game days and they go, you yeah. live a privileged life in the mm. sense that, you know, you get to pick your classes earlier. You, you're showing up late all the time and people <laughs> don't realize that, yeah, I'm dealing with exhaustion. My body's hurting. I'm limping in between classes. Yeah, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you expect your draft? Like, how do you expect that day is going to go for you? The combine and... How do you envision maybe in the best um, case scenario what's going to happen? Okay, um, so I'm going to kind of take a, I guess, a twist on this. But uh, okay, so another book I read, um, <laughs> "The Power of Now." So it talks about you know staying present and basically not having any expectations. So what you know, trying to approach it with that mindset of I'm not expecting things to happen but I'm going to be grateful if they do happen, right? So like a lot of our stress in life is our, our perceived, um, or sorry, our perception of a situation, right? So I don't want to go into, you know, the combine or the draft day and expect things to happen for me. Uh, all I want to focus on is uh, being grateful for the experience and just putting my best foot forward. Um, so, to be honest, like I haven't really visualized, you know, how I expect it to go, I guess. Like I've only visualized small parts of the process. Um, so things like, okay, we're going to do one-on-ones at the, at the Western Regional Combine. So, you know, I'm visualizing the one-on-one reps. I'm, I'm visualizing, um, you know, running the 40-yard dash. And um, <laughs> funny enough, uh, I played soccer growing up. And one of my coaches, like, he called me Cheetah. That was my nickname, was Cheetah. So here I am, I'm visualizing, okay, like, I'm a cheetah. I'm going to run <laughs> as fast as I can in just 40 yards. Nice. Um, but, yeah, so just, <laughs> just small things like that, uh, you know, trying trying not to, like I said, have any expectations for that day. But, uh, yeah, just being grateful for the opportunities and the experiences to come. Yeah, it's, it's that put in the preparation time now, make sure your mind's right, but – Come, anything can happen, but be ready for that. And like, yeah, 
prepare your mind, prepare your body, everything. But come that day, just enjoy the process. Be completely present. Be yeah. there. And be grateful that you're there because it's an opportunity to extend your football career and to play professionally at the sport you love. Like, it's when you have that in your mind as opposed to, like, some people, I think, get caught up in the... It's it's having realistic expectations, I yeah. think, too. Is like, I'm going to bring my full self. I'm going to prepare as much as possible. But certain things, especially in sport... A lot of it falls down to either chance or fate, whatever you believe in. Yeah. But it's there's only so much you like, have control over. You know, yeah, exactly. it's talked about. Yeah. It, exactly. You only have so much control. So, so is there any advice that you would have for people following a similar path to you or something you wish you knew going into this that you know now? Oh, okay. Advice. Uh it's funny, like just as you were talking, uh, you know, I just happened to look and I see this. Uh remember the guy who quit. Me neither. <laughs> um, so I guess like that's the best advice that I could give to you know any young athlete out there is um, don't stop until someone tells you that you can't play anymore. And even if someone tells you that, like just keep going, keep going until you know you'll know when the time is right for you to you know I guess stop playing. But you know if you're passionate about it, just go for it and. Uh, be committed to the daily process of being better. Um, don't be, you know, overly analytical of the future and, and uh, try not to, you know, expect things to happen for you. Um, just focus on being a better you and good things will happen. Um, that echoes. It's funny. We've had another football player in here, Mo Leggett, and his was never quit and find a way. And I think you, you, you essentially said a very similar thing. And I don't, I don't expect that you've seen that part of that podcast or anything. I, sorry. I watched the first like 15 or 20 minutes of that. Okay. Actually. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, when you'd asked me to, to come on, I, you know, did some research and I was like scrolling through like, Oh, but like it. No way. <laughs> um, he's uh, one of the coaches at recruit ready as well, actually. Cool. Um, awesome. So yeah. And unfortunately I didn't like, yeah, I didn't watch the whole thing. I feel bad, but that was a long one. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, I saw the first twenty minutes or so, and um, kind of just really quick too. Like something that resonated with me with what he said was, um, I forget how he worded it, but it was like if you're if you're too scared to give your opinion on something, you're you're a slave technically, right? So. Like for me, I, I admire athletes who aren't afraid to be themselves, you know, who, uh, they don't just, you know, go by the book on everything. They, they're just themselves and they, um, you know, they stand up for what they believe in and, you know, they, they, they don't care what other people think or, you know, if, if it might not, uh, um, you know, be the best for PR if they say a certain thing, but if they believe in it, they're, you know, they're not gonna, they're not gonna, uh. Yeah, there's you know. the. It's funny because I find sport sometimes doesn't allow for that. Yeah. Where you you are expected to say the right thing as opposed to the thing you really feel, and yeah. so it's to keep coaches happy and media. You don't want to give them too much insight mm -hmm. on what's happening in the locker room and things. So I I struggled with that a little bit when I played football at a high level. Was sometimes the locker room culture and my authenticity clashed, mm -hmm. and I went. Well, I can't really be my entire self. There were people that I could be that around that appreciated me for me, but it was, you know, certain ways I acted, the fun that I liked to have. Like, 
some people didn't buy into the way that I played the game. And so it, it does sometimes feel limiting, and there can be... The unfortunate part is there. you get 80 males in a room. Sometimes the culture can turn toxic. Yeah. And I feel that I saw that a little bit, and yet that's not every single dressing room. You know, it's, it sort of depends on your your place in that locker room. Like, if you feel valued and you have yeah. that sense that you're an important part of the team, you become that much more successful, whereas sometimes guys rag on you and, like, you're not – they don't buy into the person you are. Like, you have to find the right fit for you, I guess. And so I worry about – sometimes I worry about the toxic side of sport and and even football and the masculinity in the dressing room. Yeah. So, well, it's funny, like, uh, you know, you touched on, uh, you know, sometimes guys say things that, uh, you know, upset the media or, um, you know, you don't want to give too much away uh, in terms of what's going on, you know, and behind closed doors. Um, but, you know, when the athletes do give those, we'll say those cliche answers, it, like people are just as upset, it seems. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, this guy is, you know, he's he just says the same thing over and over again. There's no personality to him. And then when there is personality to the guy, they like nitpick every single little thing about it, um, you know. So it, it it bothers me a little bit, but uh, I mean, it is what it is, right? It's, That's just when you get, like you got to tune out those people, right? Yeah, like, it, they don't. Their opinion ultimately doesn't matter to yeah. who you are, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it like we said, or you know, it's out of it's out of our control. So I'm not going to stress about it, right? Yeah, yeah, it's. Um it's nice when you can live authentically and be your complete self in a dressing room. Um, so what's the most difficult thing you've had to deal with in your life and how did you overcome it? Um, well, two things. Um, when I was 10 years old, my, uh, my stepbrother passed away. But uh, it was when I was, actually I was really young, sorry. When he was five, I was two. Um, he started getting seizures, I guess. And uh, it's a super rare disease. It's called Batten's disease. So these seizures start happening. And uh, by the time he was, you know, five and a half, six years old, his, this is weird, his mind state like reversed back to that of like a nine-month newborn. So like a five-year-old basically unlearned, I guess, everything, um, became paralyzed from the neck down, uh, blind, uh, just, yeah, crazy. So the doctors gave him one year to live. So he was, yes, roughly six years old at the time. So they were projecting him to live till he was seven. Well, he lived till he was 13 and I was 10. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, going through that and, uh, you know, and when he had passed and kind of seeing how, uh, it affected my mother, it was, it was her son, um, from a previous marriage. Um, you know, at the time, like, I understood, obviously, like, what happened, but I didn't really fully grasp, like, the magnitude of what had happened, if the, you know, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, going through that would definitely was, a, I don't know, a big hurdle, I guess, um, in terms of how I over, overcome, overcame that. Um, I'm not really, I don't know. <clears throat> I was 10 years old. I'm not really, I don't really have an answer for that one. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was a life-changing experience for sure. And, uh, and then the ACL injury, I mean, that was, that's the next thing I think that, uh, that probably shaped who I am today. And I'm grateful for both because I think both have a lot of, uh, 
lessons in them and, and how, you know, um, yes, you know, today is a dark day, but, you know, there's always a brighter future ahead if, if you're willing to, you know, pursue that. I think of the yin and yang with that is there's always the, the light and the darkness and the darkness and the light. And, yeah. and so it's, yeah, it's, it's that hope when things are going negatively or, or you have to, when you suffer loss or you go through an injury or you there's go through those negative times. It's like, if you have hope that things will get better and you keep showing up, keep putting in the work and keep, you know, keep an eye on yourself even and, and keep your mind state healthy. That's important. And you got to be hopeful because the adverse to that is despair. And when you live that way, it's, man, it's a rough road. Like that's, yeah. that's when you can make a hell on earth for yourself <laughs> is just living in that pit of despair. And I've been there before. I've been to that dark, depressed state of just like, what the hell is my purpose? What, what am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. And yet those things that put us there can sometimes allow us to live the life that we believe in or that we're supposed to, depending on, on how you view that. But it's like, yeah, is it fate or chance? Who knows? Are they sort mm -hmm. of interrelated in a sense? But it yeah. puts you on that path and then can lead to a crazy amount of growth. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, a, a mindset that's really helped me or uh, we'll say, a, I guess, a sentence. It's as simple as a sentence is, um, what is this moment trying to teach me? So, you know, any time that, you know, we go through adversities is instead of thinking, oh, why me? Why did this happen to me? Mm -hmm. You know, approach it to, okay, like, what is this experience trying to teach me right now? What can I take away from this so that, you know, I, I can be a better person? And maybe this won't happen again if I'm more prepared in the future or um, if I'm just, uh, you know, better equipped to handle it. Yeah. Very similar to kind of like how I approach uh, anything that, or I try to approach anything that happens to me and it's because you can't always control the outcome, right? Yeah. But you can choose what to do about it. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's what I always try to come out with. It's not, don't put yourself down, like do yeah. something because so of it. What is your goal with football and what do you hope to achieve before your career is done? My, my goal with football is to use the platform to inspire others to be the best versions of themselves. Um, you know, so if I'm able to impact any young athlete out there, I won the day in my mind, you know? Um, and in terms of my career, uh, again, you know, we talked about expectations and I mean, I just want to play for as long as I can. You know, I don't have any expectations on how long that's going to be, but, uh, I just, I'm going to do as best I can to play for as long as I can. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd say that's my number one goal is to just, uh, just inspire others. Like, you know, there's, there's a lot of negativity in this world sometimes, you know, and, and if you focus on that negativity, it's going to bring you down. But, um, you know, if you're constantly, uh, you know, positive and optimistic about, about the future and about yourself, uh, yeah, I, I believe great things can happen. So, yeah, and that's something uh, with this podcast that we hope to achieve too. It's it's again inspire others, equip them with tools, share this information and people's stories. I think there's something bonding between that, and I think we mm -hmm. all go through. You can find even pieces of 
life in football. You can find it through the, the person who started a business. You can find those inspiring stories everywhere, but it can also show you something in your own life or make you aware of something that maybe you should be doing or that you yeah. should you should be engaged with. So it's um, we've we set out on this process now almost a year ago, yeah. and it's trying to get varied guests on and get a different perspective of things. I know we sort of have our comfort zone a little bit, <laughs> but we try and go outside of that as well and bring in yeah. people that, you know, it's you want to be able to connect. And sometimes people, if if we don't have that knowledge base, it's sometimes difficult to connect and really understand. For sure. Whereas yeah. I understand the football mentality because I've been in that or the yeah. athlete mentality of other people. So it's been a fun process. So, and it's it's interesting that, even being a football player, it's like to inspire others is the goal. Like yeah. it's not even, it's not a selfish pursuit. It's like, no, I want to share knowledge. I want to help build other people up. Yeah. And yeah, this can be a platform to lead me in these different directions and allow me to have that impact. There are a lot of, um, during my time uh, with the club, uh, we started uh, the, what's it called? Uh, the Break the Silence on Violence Against Women Prevention Program. Oh, cool. And, um, and that was a really cool experience to just beyond football, we can make a difference with what we're doing. And so being yeah. involved in that process, although it wasn't something I directly was, mm -hmm. it was, you know, just that knowledge that football players are good people and they want to be doing good in the community and they'll share their voice. That was inspiring to me, too. And I think reflecting on that and realizing, well, I have a voice, I have a, these opinions and ideas, too. So let's build a platform that can share these as yeah. well. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's why it's great having someone like yourself share, <laughs> yeah, share sure. your football story and, and yeah. all the trials and tribulations that you've been through too. Yeah, this is a very uh, cool experience for sure. Um, yeah, I guess just seeing what you guys are, are doing with this podcast is uh, is really cool and it's inspiring in itself. You know, you're you're reaching uh, an audience that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's I, I would not have been able to reach otherwise, right? So to be able to come on here and, and you know, gain your guys' perspective as well as, yeah, like I said, it's a cool experience. Yeah, I think we're going through, we're going through the growth process. It's like, you know, we don't necessarily know where the end game is, but it's, mm -hmm. we know the trajectory, we know the message, we know our core yeah. values. Yeah. And we're looking at, but there's only so much time we can invest in it. Those blocks in the day, yeah. you know, to try and do everything and keep some sort of balance is, is difficult. And yet I think we do a pretty good job of managing it if we didn't, we probably wouldn't be sitting here. There definitely have been times <laughs> yeah. where it's like, oh, God, that not that you dread doing the podcast because it's something we enjoy. And it's sometimes getting there is the hardest part. No, and that's yeah. the same thing in football. Think, sometimes yeah. the training sessions, it's getting there is the hardest yeah, part. Yeah, once you start, it's like sometimes starting is the hardest part. But once you start, oh, okay, like. Well, now I'm back into that rhythm. And now you, you figure it out as you go, right? Like yeah. that was what the, the the process with this podcast too. Is like we didn't know. Like it, the idea in the head is always like, let's record a podcast. It's going to be an hour or two hours long, and we just post it, right? Like that's the it's <clears throat> what you're thinking of. But then it's like, oh no, we need equipment, and we need to be able to make sure the equipment's working properly, and we need to make sure we're editing, and we got to have these pictures and thumbnails <laughs> for YouTube, and make sure it's hitting all these different platforms. Like, yeah. don't think of all these things to begin with, but if you let that get to you in the beginning, mm -hmm. it becomes so daunting that you don't even want to start, so you just got to yeah. do it and then figure it out. Yeah. There's a, there's a guy that, uh, you know, that I follow on Instagram, and um, I was fortunate to, uh, he was actually on the Calgary Stampeders the year I, I, um, I was practicing with them. His name is uh, Dexter Janky, 
And uh, so he played with the Stamps for, I want to say, three or four years. And uh, he's now on the uh, Canadian men's bobsled team, if I'm not cool. mistaken. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and uh, so he went through this thing where, you know, every every morning he'd put uh, like a little hashtag, uh, mindful mornings with Dexter. I, I, I don't know. I forget the hashtag, to be <laughs> honest. But uh, one of his like core principles is um, you must engage in consistent action. And that really resonates with me. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not it's not sitting down and thinking about doing something. It's getting up and doing it. And like you said, figuring it out kind of as you go. Um, yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, well, that's that actually doing it. Is, yeah, is huge. That's essentially what discipline is. Yeah. It's yeah. that consistent action. It's Showing doing, it's, doing the thing. yeah, it's doing, it's doing the thing that you said you were going to do even long after the will to do it has left. Mm-hmm. That's so worded very well. Maybe as the, the send off question, what do you love most about football? Um, just the uh, the competition. Um, I, for me, like I, I love football. I love the sport of football. It, it's my favorite sport. But I I love a lot of other sports as well. Um, just based on, you know, uh, yeah, just that competitive environment that uh, I'm gonna win and you're gonna lose. <laughs> yeah. Type mentality, you know, uh, just lining up across from a guy and and. Uh, you know, just seeing who's better on that day or, uh, you know, pushing yourself. Uh, it's, you know, as far as your your limits will allow. Um, I'd say that's probably the number one thing is I just, I love to compete. I love to win. Um, I mean, like even playing 2K with my buddies, like I'm not trying to lose. Yeah. I'm never trying to lose. I'm trying to win every single time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'd say just with sports in general, um you know, I think competition brings out the best in ourselves. Um, it introduces people to their character in a sense. Um, so yeah, I'd say that's probably the number one thing for me. Yeah, it definitely shows you what you're made of when you pursue something to a high level. And I think football, for so many lessons, like it showed me what work ethic was. And when you learn work ethic, you can then learn to apply it to just about anything in life. So I think that that's what sport can do, and especially competition. I think there is sort of, there's the negative side of competition, which, you know, there is performance enhancing drugs. And we see some of the, you know, you see the punch drunk boxer at the end of his career where he's gotten hit too many times. So there's like the, there's, there's that negative side, but there's also the opportunity for self-development, amazing things to happen, building self-confidence, allowing your energy to be put in that positive place. So there's just, it teaches you so much. Oh, yeah. And I think the game of football especially has saved, I would say, much more, saved a lot more lives than it's hurt. Yeah. And that's not to say the hurt doesn't exist and that people don't get concussions or suffer sort of through the system, but it allows people to pursue their highest self in a sense. Like, yeah. Like it allows for that energy to be put constructively where it could be put in terms of gangs or just negative lifestyles. Like you don't know what people might've ended up doing had they not had football or, or their sport as that release. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like for me, like I went to Sisler high school in the North end. Um, yeah, I mean, there are all those other avenues around me that I saw, but, uh, you know, 
football. Like, as you just said, it's saved a lot more lives and it has hurt. And I, th- I mean, I think I'm definitely one of those people. Um, and, uh, yeah, in terms of like, um, you know, reaching your highest self, like you, you explained it in a really great way. I think, um, yeah, yeah, no, that was, uh, that was, I mean, you pinpointed pretty basically everything that I have moments of genius and, and, and then bouts of crazy tangential (laughs) thinking. I think that's how my brain works. I like to explain it to people like a family guy joke where there's segues sometimes <laughs> cut scenes that go somewhere completely different. Yeah. But then I go back to the story and then I try and have some sort of, yeah, we're sitting on the couch and then there might be something uh, good at the end that you come out with. Yeah. Great show. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. No, that's, I love, I love ridiculous comedy. So that goes yeah. along with my likes as well. But yeah, no, I appreciate that. But it's, um, yeah, that love of sport, that love of competition and getting better and so I guess to send us off, like, we wish you the best of luck in the CFL draft um, and through the process of the combine and the rest of your training. Um, it's, I'm sure it's stressful at times and you like, you know, you're going to three sessions a day. But the fact that you're still staying on top of stuff like personal development and this mindfulness, I think will give you this edge. And I feel yeah, like, definitely, you know, I sort of see within your story that you will be successful in whatever you do. Um, and, and so hopefully that's football and hopefully a team takes a chance on you. And I would, I would bet on it. And, uh, and I, I hope that for you too. You have the best mindset, I think, going into this that you could possibly have. I I appreciate those words. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you. And thanks again for having me on here. Uh, this was a blast. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Hopefully lots of interviews in your future. (laughs) The thing that's nice about this too is, is. You know, this isn't a two-minute clip on TSN. It's like we get to sit down and... Two-hour clip. Two-hour clip. <laughs> we get to bring people in and really dive into their stories and what makes them tick. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, selfishly, it helps us build. But like, <laughs> we hope that other people take things. And then the fact that others get to learn from it, too. It's like, yeah, it's great definitely. to have that, too. So we're happy to have you on and share your story, your football story and life story and your mindset. And, uh, yeah, we wish you all the best. So... Yeah. To send us off, where can we find Dylan Schrott? Is there anything that you'd like to share with listeners and viewers in terms of Bell Let's Talk uh, or websites or anything or anything else you're involved in? Wow. Social media, oh, okay. <laughs> info. Um, okay, I guess, uh, yeah, I, I, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, I'm not on Twitter or anything. I, I try to limit my social media intake. But uh, it's at uh, Shooter6 with, uh, with four O's. <laughs> <laughs> Shooter! Yeah, that's, that's my, it's been my nickname in the football community for about five years now. How does everybody um, get a nickname? I was a new yeah. guy for two years. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to live with it at a certain point. People uh, didn't know my guy. real name. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess, uh, yeah. And then um, I guess in terms of the Bell Let's Talk thing, uh, there, I've said it a few times, but there's always a there's always a brighter future ahead. So, um, you know, don't let uh, you know don't let today's struggle uh, you know uh, hinder you from pursuing your your maximum potential as a human. Um, yeah, just just strive to be better than you were yesterday. And I think you know if if you approach it with that mindset, great things can happen for you. So, in terms of the mental health. Uh, aspect as well there's places to call but it's also being willing to open up and be vulnerable and share your story yeah i think is really important and you'll find that there's a ton of supportive people around there we're we're destigmatizing it we're not finished with that that mission Mm -hmm. um there are still sort of that the preconceived notions and the stereotypes on it 
Um, but yeah, being willing to be vulnerable, share your story, and and build each other up, and be supportive of others going through their struggles as well. Yeah. Um, so just as that, but there are places to call and and people that care. I think mm-hmm. is a major thing. Absolutely. Um, you know, just for me personally, like uh, whoever is going through anything out there, my my line's open. I'm I'm always open for a conversation. So, um, you know, don't feel like people are going to judge you if you know you're coming out and sharing your story or sharing your struggle. Um, you know, there's always somebody out there that uh, that cares enough to listen and, and to help you out. So, definitely. Yeah. Yep. People are there, and people are there to listen. I actually reached out to somebody yesterday and tried to get them talking. But it's it's also letting people know that you're there. I think too. Like sometimes. Yeah. It's like you're less likely sometimes to reach out to a stranger than somebody you know. So just mm-hmm. sharing with that person that you're there for them regardless of what they're going through is another piece to that as well. Yeah. Um, and as always, did you have anything else? Uh, I, I think I'm good. Okay. Uh, yeah, just one more thank you to you guys. <laughs> sure. um, yeah, just uh, it was a great experience. Awesome. We're happy to have you. And as always, we're Be The Change YPS on Instagram, Facebook, we do have a Twitter. We're actually we're in the midst of starting one. <laughs> We've also tried to start Reddit and things, but it's trying to keep up to date on all this. Is uh, we try to limit our social media too. <laughs> yeah, we we need to do a better job. But yeah, trying to limit social media can be difficult Hard, at times. Yeah. And always, if you have anything for us, if you want to reach out to us, we are an ear to listen as well. But we have the email at info at be the change yps dot com. Uh, announcements, we actually did upload a short video of our taste test of Happy Honey. <laughs> so that is something that we're going to try and start doing is doing shorter clips that can be helpful or at least informative to you out there listening. Um, subscribe where you're listening, either on YouTube, Spotify, wherever you happen to be enjoying this podcast. And uh, once again, thank you, Dylan Schrock, yes, for sitting down Thank you very much. And you all guys. the best to you. And take care out there, people. <laughs> See ya.